Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for it. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of If Memory Serves here on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. Episode 21, Our Pet Memories. I'm Taylor, and with me as he is every month when we wander back to the hazy halls of our memories growing up in the Bay Area in the 80s and 90s, he's the bubbling treasure chest to my cardboard cat carrier. It's my brother Seb. Seb, what's happening, dude? Hi-de-ho, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on? Oh my gosh. Uh, dealing with the, the heat. Oh. Dealing with those first feelings of it's almost the end of summer. Mm. Amber's back to work soon. Got about three, three and a half more weeks and the kids will be back to school. Mm-hmm. How about you? What's up? It's been a good month, man. You know, dad's health is looking up a little bit, you know, so that's really good. Um, you have some late breaking news about your bus that you might be excited to know. A certain item arrived in the mail today from Germany. Your birthday oh, present. shut up. Yes. It is, it is in my apartment as we speak. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so I be have excited. not wanted to just randomly drive to Sacramento more in my life. <laughs> not since I learned of the squeeze in have I randomly just wanted to drive to Sacramento. Oh, uh, well, I love you too, man. Uh, <laughs> but hey, I'm really, I'm really excited that it finally showed up and it didn't get lost or in the mail or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked. That's awesome. Oh. Um, and I have to say, since we went off to uh, Tennessee this month. Yeah, and I know right. last month you were bemoaning the fact that you have trouble finding stuff with your name on it. I have something for you. Ooh, I will not tell you what it is. Okay, surprise. Um, it is a surprise, but right. um, I, it was found. I should give Kobe credit because Kobe was the one who found it. Oh, goody, um, goody. At a place called Goats on the Roof in Goats Pigeon on the Forge, roof. Tennessee. Wait a second. Is Goats on the Roof part of Dollywood, the Dolly no. Parton theme park? Oh, okay. Right. No, no. Goats on the Roof is a very small tourist attraction okay. uh, on the outskirts of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Um, they obviously have goats on the roof that you can feed oh. and you can see through the upstairs windows and stuff. They have basically a giant gift shop um, and they have what's referred to as a mountain coaster. Oh, oh okay. Um, and it's it's basically... Um, it's not so much a roller coaster. It kind of is, but it's not a chain of cars. Mm. Um, you have an individual, like almost like a luge cart okay, that you sit in and you can apply the brakes or not apply the brakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in it's fun, you, you know, you, <laughs> it hauls you up the mountain and then lets you loose. And there's a series of, uh, turns and corkscrews and switchbacks. And, okay. uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, God bless but Tennessee. It, it is a very small little thing. Okay. Uh, it is not part of Dollywood. And uh, yeah, I've got something for you from there. Oh, I'm excited. You know what? The, the fact that there's something with the name Sebastian associated with something called Goats on the Roof, it brings to mind, there used to be a TV show called Parks and Recreation. Yeah. And I think I think there was a, a miniature horse on that show called Lil Sebastian. So it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. I nice. don't know why, but uh Anyway, well, wow, this is great. I think we both have things to share with each other next time we see each other, I guess. Yes. My gosh. When could that possibly, it'll probably I, end up being my birthday. Oh, uh, well, well, we'll see it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. For sure. For sure. Well, I'll tell you what, bud. Why don't we take a look at what's going on in the news? Mm. 
ABC News Break, brought to you by Budweiser Beer. Stay with us, the late edition is next. And not as much news going on this month as there was last month. Now, granted, I could have thrown in every bit of Bill and Ted 3 filming news that I saw, but I'm like... Mm. We're not a Bill and Ted podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're slowly, yeah, we would slowly morph into the Bill and Ted we, podcast. We absolutely yeah. would because there's <laughs> casting and they're filming now and that's great and all. But um, boy, you know, uh, you were nice enough to get me a uh, Walkman, a cassette player that I had when I was a teenager. Um, oh, yeah. But now, if you really want to, um, and I mean third person you, not just you, Seb. You can get a cassette player with a Bluetooth headset. No oh. longer do you need to be attached to your Walkman by headphone <laughs> cables. That's amazing. Yeah, this thing is, uh, I think it is still in like Kickstarter uh-huh. mode. Um, or is it Indiegogo? I'm not sure which. I'm, I'm trying to look here. There will be a link in the show notes if you are interested in checking this out. Um the, you know they look cool. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, the covers too. I mean the the cases are are solid, but the the covers in, into which your tape goes are clear, so you can see kind of the the mechanisms and everything. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, they totally will Bluetooth sync with your headset. So if you want to get that uh um what that amazing cassette fidelity that cassettes absolutely uh-huh. don't have. I, I could rock my uh, my uh, a cassette tape for the soundtrack of Moonlighting, the TV show. That's right. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's right. Geez. And we, we get cats. you some, some Bluetooth headsets. Signs and wonders. What will they think of next? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. That I'm honestly kind of not surprised. I, I, I feel like this was almost an inevitability. Um, but, yeah, check, check well, that out. I, well, I think the Book of Revelations and the, the Holy Bible actually talks about... Uh, when you know, I think I think the, the the Walkman is the last device not to have been Bluetooth uh, uh, customized. Uh, I think it's kind of like one of the signs of the end times, perhaps. Uh, I, I think we've got plenty of other signs of the end times right now. I don't think we need a Walkman to tell us that. But well, what what else do we need to put a Bluetooth in that it hasn't been? Maybe like a toaster, um, possibly. Boy, you know what? Just do me a favor. Don't search Internet of Things. Okay. Because uh, there are so many things out there that were like, oh, yeah, we'll put this on Wi-Fi so it can give you a notification when your toast is done. Yeah. Oh, Uh-oh. Yeah. It, it definitely. I mean, we Just what we need for this very world. Western world, you know? I mean, it's, it's you know, you have to wonder, like, who's watching, who's, like, monitoring all this data. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, and you know, and how absolutely unsecure it is. Don't even get me started. Like, really? We actually have a topic tonight, and it is not a conspiracy podcast, although I could easily go down that road. Are, are, we all, are, we, are, are we slowly morphing from the Bill and Ted 3 podcast to the conspiracy podcast? Pretty I think much. That, I think that might, we have to watch out for that. Okay. Pretty much. All right. Um, all right. Anyway, going all the way back to our second episode where we were talking about our uh, experiences in the malls. I don't know mm. if, Seb, you have Netflix yet. Uh, I'm actually the last American in the United States that doesn't have Netflix. So Okay. Now, uh, I also know you're not the last American in the United States to have a flip phone. Um, but right. Yeah, okay. Fair enough on Netflix. Well, Stranger Things 3 is yeah. out. And mm-hmm. a big set piece in this season is the brand new Starcourt Mall. Sure, that yeah. That has come to Hawkins, Indiana. Um, okay. 
And if you are a fan of malls, retro malls, malls of the 80s, they did the most incredible job mm. um, creating the interior of this mall. And it was actually built in an existing mall uh, okay. in Georgia. Um, there's actually, again, links in the show notes, um, uh, where some people were able to kind of like sneak kind of behind the scenes and look at um, this ginormous set. And I know that there are um, at least a couple of uh, Stranger Things related, like official Netflix uh, podcasts where they talk about the detail that mm. went into um, making all these uh, stores correct. Sure, sure. And even ones that weren't like nobody ever went into it, but you know, there's there's a Radio Shack in the mall. Well, we they filled it out and they made mm -hmm. everything. It just it was amazing. Wow, that's uh, awesome. Totally worth checking out. Yeah, I'll have to look into that. I wonder yeah. if they filmed it. I wonder if the mall that they filmed at was like one of those so-called dead malls. You know, where it's like it hasn't been torn down yet, but it's still like kind of like empty and it still has the old fixtures from the '80s, like the old same tile work and kind of decor. If if I'm not mistaken, uh -huh. um, it was like a portion of the mall that like they hadn't gotten to yet. Oh, okay. I got so you. like part of it was still a live mall, mm -hmm. but here in this portion of it, yeah, um, it was, it just happened to be like pretty much mostly vacant and free. I don't quote me on that, but that's, that's what I seem to remember hearing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but it really is amazing. That's Just awesome. amazing. And I've got two episodes to go until I finish the season. Oh. I had to take a break this week and watch some Doctor Who for Podcastica next week. Okay. Um, lastly, this month, oh my gosh, this piece of news makes me so happy because Yosemite National Park is <laughs> uh, possibly one of my most favorite places on Earth. Sure. And a few years ago... There was, and Seb, you might know the story better than I do. There, there was something with the uh, the naming of some of the most popular places in the valley, and mm -hmm. who got to call it what. Yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the the businesses in Yosemite Valley, like Camp Curry and the Iwani Hotel, had over the years been purchased up by different entities, and eventually became part of a, a really. Um, big international conglomerate. I think it's called like Delaware North or something. Okay. And they had, they were like basically the people that the park service hires to run all the concessions in the park itself, you know? And, um, as like a third party vendor sort of situation. And if I'm, if memory serves, I think a couple years ago, um, the park service and the corporation were at loggerheads because the park service felt that they were being charged too much, so they wanted to go to a different vendor. And this one corporation said, well, if you do that, you know, we own the names of all these properties as intellectual properties, so we won't give you the, the uh, permission to call these structures or, or facilities by their the names that Americans have called them for generations, basically. So you had things like the, the ever-famous Awani Hotel becoming something like the... Um, like the Grand Hotel or something like that. Like, yeah, like, like the, the Grand most... Yosemite Hotel or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah like, like the most generic, it took five seconds to think of, like almost comically bland names, basically, for like treasures of the world. And I actually had kind of a running joke with some of my coworkers because um, I always have these kind of like, 
I always want to get on the ground floor of collectibles. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, I should like buy up every um, tourist item that has like Grand Yosemite Hotel on it, like sweatshirts and toothpicks. Because it's like I was, I was for sure at some point in the future they're gonna go back to the old names like the Iwane Hotel, and then these like these 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 souvenirs would become sort of like this weird anomaly and perhaps become collector's items of the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but of course, I was too lazy to actually do any of that. So the ship has left uh, the airport, as they say. Um, but hey, it's nice to have uh, it's nice to be able to call uh, Camp Curry Camp Curry again, or uh, you know the Iwane the Iwane stuff like that. Yeah. Um, not so. that had I gone, I would have actually called it what they were calling it. I like that's still the Awani. That's still, it's still the Awani to you. Yeah, right. You right. just try and tell me otherwise. Exactly. What I don't know is whether or not they had to rename things like Half Dome. You know, maybe they have to call it like you know, like uh, Cut in Half Mountain or you know. <laughs> I flat, don't. Flat dome. I don't think they had to change that. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Some I things don't are think sacred. They had to change that, but glad to hear it. Uh, it reminds me, I need to talk to the family because I know what mom and dad want to do for their 50th. And oh my gosh, that ball has gotten dropped just a little bit. So yeah, because yeah. I want to like take time off of work and I want to figure out what part of it I can pay for and all that kind of jazz. You know? Yeah, I'll, I'll make a point of bringing it up with uh, Amber and Kobe this weekend. And Awesome. Um, yeah, we'll try to get that ball rolling again anyway. This time on. If memory serves. We're talking about our pets. Woof, woof, woof. Meow, meow. <laughs> Who yes. needs a soundboard when you got a brother? Right, exactly. Uh, yes, uh, I'm pretty excited about this. We uh, we definitely had uh, some childhood pets, and I think hopefully this is a topic that some of our listeners should be able to relate to. I know some of our episodes can be rather uh, niche and narrow in terms <laughs> it's of slightly focus. esoteric. Slightly esoteric. Um, so, but yeah, um, I think probably uh, I might have had more pets than you did, but um, I think we'll all have a couple things to talk about tonight. And I'm pretty excited to hear uh, what some of your memories are. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I feel like on the whole, we were we were mostly a cat family, but you put some memories in here. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I guess we weren't just cats or. Uh, Limited to any one particular type of right. animal. We even um, went uh, trans species. We went out uh, outside the mammal group. We had a couple invertebrates that we'll talk about uh, during the night's episode. Uh, <laughs> so stay tuned. Yeah, occasionally we'd, we'd have ants come into the house and try ants to get in the house. sugar. And so, you know, we'd name... No, I'm kidding. We did not name the ants. Um, um, it, I, I want to start with <clears throat> a pet that actually I really... I don't remember... Okay. Outside of seeing one picture of this pet, okay, um, and and heretofore only knowing one story about him, but um, okay. when I was first born, mom and dad had a little white dog named Ralphie, <laughs> like the kid in the Christmas story. Yes, but don't forget, Christmas Story <laughs> did not come out till nineteen eighty three. Okay, so this and is we're talking like nineteen seventy six, nineteen seventy seven. God, mom and dad had a dog? Mom and dad had a little white dog. Do we know um, what breed it was by any chance? Or the type that has four legs? Four-legged time, okay. A four-legged dog? Yeah, did it um, look like the dog from Doctor Who, the robot dog? It looked. It sadly looked nothing like canine. 
Okay. All right. Um, which is great because right now we are just about to finish the Key to Time series. We we're watching the Armageddon Factor for Podcastica. You Doctor Who fans, go check out Podcastica and and K nine features greatly into this story. Well, I always thought K nine was more like a Scotty dog. Like I don't know why I felt that, but like that's um, the vibe he did I would have get. kind of a plaid collar, so that might have been maybe. I don't know. Wow. Um, so, geez. Um, yeah. So I the story that I remember about huh. Ralphie right. um, was a story that mom had told to kind of um, illustrate kind of just her faith in God taking care of her okay. um, and, and the family, of course, not just her. Um, but I recall mom telling a story that, you know, at the time when I was first born and, and they had Ralphie, money was tight. Mm hmm. You know, um, they just bought a house. Um, and so, uh, she tells the story of remember just, just praying for, for some sort of help. They just let us be able to feed the dog kind of thing. Um, and then like literally like, like the next day or something, there was a person who came like door to door offering dog food samples. That's right. It was like a traveling salesman or something random, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when people used to open the door for those types of people. I do remember. I do remember this this story being kind of okay. like a legend told around the, the campfire. If 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 our television was a campfire, um, yeah. And it was like mom was really shocked because it was kind of like almost like her prayer had been answered, sort of. You exactly. Know what I mean? Yeah, that was really exactly. cool. Exactly. Um, now I I emailed mom early this week just to just to you know kind of confirm that memory and go what was the dog's name because i can't remember the dog's name yeah um and um mom also shared uh that ralphie was eventually given to an acquaintance because she felt like um she couldn't care for uh him sufficiently while also caring for me as a <laughs> so it was it was either give up Taylor or give up Ralphie, I guess. I hopefully it wouldn't have actually come to, let's see, do we get rid of the kid and keep the dog? But um, oh. th there was that element of, you know, trying to juggle too many things. and Too many mouths. Too, yeah, too many yeah. mouths to feed. I don't know. I don't think I got any of the dog food, so... You know, um, I, I, I always kind of got the feeling that our family was like a... Like, like a non, like an, not anti-dog family, but we weren't pro-dog. You know what I mean? Um, I do. And I, I think even to this day, I mean, if you, if you give me a choice, I prefer the company of cats to the company of dogs. Which is interesting because I think Grandma Jerry had a dog. Um, yes. I think its name was maybe Whiskey. And it was um, a big, it was a big brown dog. And I'm ashamed to say I don't know dog breeds, but um, it was, it was tall and kind of, uh, it had a kind of noble, noble, you know, features like a like a long face, but it had really long hair. But it wasn't shaggy. It was like it. I don't know. Like it just can. I don't know. Jeez, I don't know what like a spaniel it rings a bell. Some sort of spaniel or something. I'm not sure. But Maybe. Um, and mom used to work. She was like a veterinary assistant. Yes, uh, she was. She, she worked right? for a uh, vet named Doctor Friend. Dr. Fred. I, between that and our pediatric dentist being Dr. Rabbits. Oh, yeah. Dr. Rabbits. Oh, yeah. That's just you, perfect. You just you don't get doctors and veterinarians and dentists with these crazy names anymore. 
Did I ever tell you? I can't remember. This is going off off topic a little bit, but I tracked down our our, our childhood dentist's son, who's also a pediatric dentist. Oh, uh, really? In the valley. Yeah, I, I really want to reach out to him because. I'm trying to find photographs of the old waiting room at the dentist. Oh, I don't, gosh. I, I don't know if you remember this clearly, but ladies and gentlemen, the dentist that we went to as children in the 80s, the decor of the waiting room was, I guess it must have been from the 70s, but it was yeah. it was like something out of 2001 A Space Odyssey, like bubble chairs everywhere. Everything was like sticky yellow vinyl, like banana yellow and uh-huh. like you know, shiny, reflective, like, like, like polished steel, like spheres and globes that were lights. It was like, it was very funky. It was amazing. And I would pay good money to find such a photograph, but I digress. We're talking about pets, (laughs) not teeth. So, (laughs) and if we do come across a picture of it, we will be sure to share that on our Twitter. Oh, totally. And our Facebook, which we don't do enough on, but oh, well, oh, well, ah, well, Ralphie, uh, I uh, I salute you, Ralphie. Yeah. You, you but you don't remember Ralphie. He was, I, like, I I don't. So I young, personally, but... I was too yeah. young. I do not have memories. I have memories of seeing the picture of Ralphie. Okay. On, like, Mom and Dad's bed or something. Mm, mm-hmm. But I do not have memories of interacting with Ralphie. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but <clears> as <throat> you, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. But as you say, we were more of a, a cat family. Mm-hmm. So probably I think the first cat that you and I both remember in the family was uh, was good old BG. The letter is BG. Uh, yeah. And when we say BG, we're not talking about, you know, the disco band, the Bee Gees. Um, no, you look, but, you know, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of connection there, given the era. Right. I think one of the themes we'll notice going through tonight's episode is the fact that we uh, we had some weird names for some of our pets. That's uh, for sure. Now, where did the name BG come from, do you think? Well, now, my understanding, and and just watch, you know, after we post this, I'll get an email from mom correcting me on this. But um, the it, uh, the story goes is that um, someone brought this cat to Dr. Friend's office. Okay. Um, and it's very possible. So I'm, I'm, I'm hedging my bets here because I don't remember the story completely clearly um, that the person who brought this cat in was a spanish speaker okay. um and and the cat was pregnant okay. um and so they had named her pg pregnant okay. gato okay um and ultimately through however the story plays out because suddenly a miracle occurs and i don't remember the rest of the story um mom came home with the cat yeah. Um, whether it was just, well, we don't know what we're going to do with it or we're going to take it to the pound. And mom just was like, I want a cat. My yeah. kids would love having a cat. I'm going to take this cat home. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. And, and BG, I mean, she lived to be something like 18 or 19 years old. Totally old. Um, was, was already a mature cat. Um, when she joined our family um but lived a long long life mm-hmm. um and uh ultimately suffered from uh cancer of some kind i don't remember exactly which one but she was at least house trained yeah. you know um she knew how to go in a box but this cancer made her want to just pee more frequently mm-hmm. um and so she would go in pretty much any box 
she um, could find. And I have incredibly vivid memories of having to take our ginormous, ginormous box of Legos <gasps> into the backyard, laying them out on a towel and basically <gasps> hosing and soaping them down to no! get the pea smell out of them. No! Yes. Oh, this is horrible. How did you... Oh, you don't remember this? I, I have no memory of that. Wow. At all. That which, which is probably a good thing. But gee whiz, that's horrible. That's so sad. Yeah, it is. Oh, man. It is. You yeah. know, it's, it's crazy because BG was in our lives for so long. And yet the only image I've been able to find... never I couldn't find anything in any of the family photo albums. There's like a two-second segment of our home movies... Where I'm, I'm holding her in the front yard, and yeah. I was able to do like a screen capture. And even that, I'm like looking at her, and I'm like, "Wow, was she really that color?" You know what I mean? Um, I have to say, my my strongest BG memory was actually, sadly, when we had to take her to the vet to be uh, euthanized when she was so old and and infirm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was very sad at the time, and. I think one of the things that that I and and maybe you and maybe some of our listeners can relate to in terms of childhood pets is it's in some regards some of the first experiences we have with things like mortality in a way. Um, And I seem to recall there being some sort of talk of she was going to be buried in a pet cemetery. But I think that might have been the kind of story you just tell a six year old to get him to stop crying, actually. Um, Um, But maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, um, but of course, Mom, our, our dutiful fact checker, when she listens to this episode, I'm sure we'll be able to chime <laughs> in. Um, but uh, yeah, BG, wow, I uh, yeah, yeah, and that um, and that 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 screen cap you have, we'll we'll be sure we'll be sure to share that out. Um, that that is what she looked like. That was BG yeah. for sure. Totally, totally. Huh. Well, um, the the next pet on our list that that uh we can remember um was a a gray rabbit that i had yes Um, and when i say i had i mean that's that's an interesting topic in and of itself because you know when is it my pet versus the family's pet you know what i mean that's kind of a weird dynamic in families i think you know Uh, yeah and I, i mean i feel like i see that with um well probably a little bit more with parent than with echo sure um you know Perrin still wants to try and claim individual seats in the bus, and it's just like, no, oh, really? that's not how it works. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Put a little plaque on it. You, you, yeah, exactly, right? Um, I, I think with with pets, at least, I mean, you know, BG came into our lives because mom brought her home. So it mm-hmm. was like a family pet. When it's like, right. mom, dad, I want a rabbit, a turtle, yeah. a snake. Uh, yeah. you know, parakeet, whatever. Um, that I think kind of becomes the impetus for like, oh, that's your pet. Yeah. And you, obviously you need to be doing most of the caring for it. Yeah. Cause I definitely didn't pay any money for the rabbit. And I know that I didn't do any of the work. Dad was the one that built the, the custom made wooden hutch in the backyard. That's right. I remember like that hutch. Wooden oh, yeah. chicken wire or something. But yeah. the, but the big the big thing about about the rabbit that that I think is of interest potentially to our listeners is the fact that I chose its name, and I have very vivid memories of being in the bathtub taking a yes. bath and having a stroke of insight into what this rabbit should be named. Ladies and gentlemen, I chose the name eighty eight zero the number eighty. This was the name of the rabbit eighty. 
Okay. What, what's, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with this picture? So what as, is... as, as, as the, as the slightly older brother. Yeah. Um, let me flesh out this story. Okay. A little bit more because I remember being in the bathroom with you while you were taking a bath and while what? you had the stroke of genius. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. Okay. Because in, um, in our parents' house, the, bathroom door opens up onto a short hallway that goes i mean it's almost a beeline for the front door like literally if you left all the doors open and you got out of the tub and you were naked yeah you get to know your people on the the street could see you yeah um not the best house design but what are you going to do but from there you could actually see the clock that we had up in the living Uh, room okay and it was eight o'clock Okay. When you were taking this bath. Okay. Um, and I remember you naming the rabbit Atro. Atro. As wow. in using obviously that sound of eight, uh-huh. but I don't know, like making, kid, kidifying it. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay. And it was Atro. So maybe the rabbit's like real name was Atro, but the nickname was eighty. You know I, what I mean? don't know when you when you were like I had a gray rabbit named eighty. I'm like no, that we only ever had one rabbit. Yeah, you well, know we the, just have two different names in our memories for it. But 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 both memories have the number eight involved with it somewhere. Yes. So that's definitely something we can agree on at least. Absolutely. Um, at, at the same time, I have to say, you know, choosing the time of day on a clock to name your pet after. I mean. Would somebody please pass the riddle in? I mean, what's going on with this kid? <laughs> I mean, anyway, I mean, uh, I mean, I wish I had more memories of eighty. I mean, I definitely remember his eighties poop because it looked pretty much like cocoa Cocoa bubbles. puffs, cocoa yeah. puffs, yeah, cocoa puffs, exactly. That uh, was my is... that was my first like real. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, rabbit poop looks like cocoa puffs. Yeah, I mean, it was a big life lesson that you know not all poop is you know created the same i guess you might say <laughs> not all poop is log shaped is what not, not all is trying is to say. Equal. yeah exactly um but uh but it looks like you had a memory of, of 80 trying to dig his way out of the, the yard yeah so so um this rabbit would i think do a really good job at night of managing to get out of his hutch okay um and was able enough to um, basically dig under our back fence mm-hmm. and get out. Okay. Um, I, I remember him getting out once or twice and us having to like go chase this rabbit down. Mm-hmm. And then he got out one night in the middle of the night, um, and got hit by a car in our neighborhood. Oh, is, is that what did him in? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, I don't remember that, but I do remember the burial. I mean, which is to say that, you know, our childhood home is a, is a veritable graveyard of pet cemeteries here and there, most of which are unmarked except in our hearts and memories. And I distinctly remember AB, AD being buried, um, not in the backyard or the front yard, but actually in the side yard near where Dad parked the Lotus car. Really? Um, kind of by, there's some trees out right out bushes out right outside mm-hmm. the kitchen window. Mm-hmm. That's where I remember eighty being buried. I have um, no recollection of that. And mom, if you're listening, dad, if you're listening, please feel free to chime in uh, just to let me know if this is accurate. Because I have to imagine if you know, God forbid, if at any point you know the house leaves our possession. I mean, 
I mean, what's the etiquette? Do you tell the new owners where all the all the pets are buried? I mean, do you dig up the pets and take them with you? I, I, mean... I don't. I don't think there necessarily is an etiquette. I know that at least in California, they have to disclose if somebody has died in the home. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so... But that's humans. I don't think they're as worried about pets. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, that was uh, that was our experience with a pet rabbit, um, and I also had a a pet lizard. Um, and this was a type of lizard called an anole, A-N-O-L-E, anole, um, for a short while. Uh, I don't remember even if I had a name for it. It might have just been nameless, actually. And <laughs> it lived in a in an aquarium, like but empty, so empty of water, so more of like a terrarium. Um, and it had this funky thing that was like a rock, but it was a fake rock that plugged into an electrical outlet and warmed up so it could warm its little body. Um, and I'd have to go to the pet store every once in a while to buy crickets to feed it and stuff like that and uh it also too died unfortunately of some sort of horrific infection and i i have this memory of mom like nursing it like she would have it out of the tank on her like arm or something like swabbing it with a q-tip or something like that and i was pretty much grossed out at that point and i was very happy that he died soon after <laughs> so jeez, oh, uh pet lizard and all i salute you um, uh, yeah i don't I don't really. You don't remember that guy. I yeah. don't really have memories of the lizard. I did just look up what that type of lizard looks like, and I was like, "Oh, that kind of rings a bell." I mean, it kind of looks like the gecko guy, you know, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, not a little quite bit. a gecko, but green, not quite a gecko. definitely. But yeah, definitely green. Yeah. And it didn't try to sell you insurance at any time, did it? No, nothing I know okay. of. Okay. Okay. Uh, fair. Uh, so, what should we talk about next? Well, you know, I. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I was just scrolling down real quick. I'm like, no, I think we had some other um, uh, sea creatures for pets, but I see where you've tied that into some other notes. So I'm going to wait on that. But okay. probably the 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 cat that maybe we remember most uh -huh. because you know I think uh, this cat entered our lives. It was probably junior high school. Yeah, if I'm Very not mistaken, yeah. and I lived well until I think we had moved out. Yeah, um, this was this was our cat Dusty. Uh, official name Sawdust. Dusty was just the nickname. Um, yeah, Orange think, Tabby. Orange Tabby. I think probably uh, as as listeners to our our, our GI Joe episode knows no will know or remember. Um, I had an affinity with a GI Joe cartoon character named Dusty. Yes, um, and I think that might be sort of how we're dusty the name came from but i mean his fur was also the color of sawdust so that kind of makes sense as well yeah. i definitely remember that like dusty was only ever called sawdust at the vet because that was his official name like on all the medical charts and stuff mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. um but yeah dusty we probably had dusty from i'm just gonna ballpark it i'm gonna say like 1992 to 2006 i think i almost think it might be earlier than 92 because okay um when we were doing Civil War reenacting, which I think mm -hmm. was started a little bit before 92. Uh-huh. Um, I seem to remember we had already had Dusty for a while and Dusty just yeah. randomly upped and left for four days while right. we went off to a reenactment in Nevada City. Yeah, it was. Well, I mean, to even go back a step, I mean, I remember when BG passed, we went to uh, the, the animal shelter and it mm -hmm. was the animal shelter i believe in santa clara 
just past the university. Um, yeah, down. it's it's moved since then, but that's where it was at the time. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, I, I distinctly remember us as a family talking and talking about, you know, we might want to adopt a new cat who's also an older cat. Mm-hmm. And then me getting in there and being like, "Oh, kittens! We have to get a kitten. Look how cute it is!" You know, <laughs> and like, you know, we we shifted from you know the older cat who's probably just a couple of days away from the gas chamber to let's get the shiny new kitten, and um. You know, we took Dusty home. I remember there was, like, paperwork that had to be filled out where, like, somebody, you know, we had to sign some sort of agreement that, you know, we would allow, like, a person from the shelter to come and check up on, like, the status of the cat. Really? Like, almost like we were foster parents or something. And I remember even as a little kid chuckling inside my head because I was like, yeah, nobody's ever going to do that. <laughs> you know, they don't have the staff for this. It must be some sort of weird legalese just to cover their butts or something. I'll be honest, I don't remember um, that. Oh, yeah, I remember that very vividly. Um, and, and yeah, we had Dusty in our lives, and then one day he was missing. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, to, to back up more to uh, the act of getting yeah. Dusty, I, I have vivid memories of hearing the story of Dad only agreeing to have another cat if we didn't spend any money on it outside of just you know feeding and basic care yeah for it but within like the first year mm-hmm. of having dusty we'd spent a thousand bucks on it because <laughs> we would be like oh here we're gonna wash the cat ladies and gentlemen don't ever do that just let the cat wash itself <laughs> they make wipes for it now you don't have to get a bathtub but he would in our house there's no way to have just an indoor cat Mm. all the time so cats were indoor outdoor Mm -hmm. um and um yeah we would we'd give dusty a bath and he'd be like screw you guys i'm out of here because Mm -hmm. i don't like being treated this way and made clean Mm -hmm. um and he would manage to get clipped by a car yeah it was horrible smashed his hip one time Mm mm-hmm and then I think the other time it was like a leg and his tail, like a back leg and his tail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so within a year, we had done a thousand bucks in Betvilles. Oh, um, yeah. Which I just called Betvilles instead of Vetvilles. <laughs> That's the French um, pronunciation, probably. Yeah, I've had a long week. Um, <laughs> but But the best part was he survived him. You know, I remember yeah. he had like a pin in his leg mm-hmm. to help things heal. I mean, this was no like small yeah, was, feet. He he yeah. had, you know, shaved and stitches and, you know, that poor cat had surgery and stuff, but had. He was like that, that, was that the guy, end the of million Washington. dollar man. You know what I mean? Like we can rebuild him kind of situation. Right. Yeah. Our, our half cybernetic like half, cat. Cy- half cyborg cat. Uh, yeah. I remember the big accident. It was bad because he was gone for a long time. And then he finally, like, a week later, we hadn't seen him for a week, he, like, finally crawled back to the house, and we could hear him outside crying, you know what I mean? Yeah. He was all bangled and stuff. It was horrible. And I remember even years later, like, you could, there was still, like, the scar on his tail. There was, like, a little bit of, like, area where the fur didn't grow. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd I forgotten I, about that. I have really strong memories of him after the surgery. He had, like, a totally shaved leg and all the mm-hmm. stitches going on, you know, and it was really sad. But, yeah. you know, he pulled through and he lived a long life. And he was, of all the pets, we had the one that um, I was the closest to emotionally, you know. I, I think I was, too, honestly. 
Yeah, um, I remember when I, uh, I mean, this is going forward quite a bit, but when I left for college, you know, I mean, I would be gone for a very long time, you know, and then come back, especially when I went to Britain. And really, honestly, I really think he really missed me. And it was funny because when I did come back, the first couple of days I was back, he was like acting aloof. You know what I mean? Like he was still kind of miffed at me before, you know, just kind (laughs) of broke down in my arms. It's you. You're back. Uh Yeah, Mm. exactly. Yeah, that, that's cats for you. And for some yeah. reason, we eat it up and we love it. He was he was the best. He was, you know, always willing to, like, jump up in bed and sleep on your legs. Mm-hmm. Or um, and, uh, you know, we I always had a kind of like a, like a, you know, kind of a goofy relationship with him. I, I sometimes would chide him for not doing something goofy that would get me on America's Funniest Home Videos and win me, like, a million dollars. I, I used to I used to make up uh, ridiculous stories to get him in trouble with mom and dad. Like um, I made up a story once that um, he uh, he was going to have to like start earning his keep because he was getting so old and he's have to going to f- find a job. Um, and I made this elaborate story that he was going to become employed as the night watchman at a button factory. Like, okay. Yeah, it was really kind of you know he was and he was a good sport about it. You know he was sort of like uh, the sidekick. You know the the, the court jester of the house and. God, I miss him. You know, he uh, he passed about 2006, and mm-hmm. I, I, what I, I, this was before I, I I moved to Sacramento. I was still living in San Jose at the time, and I took him to the vet for some sort of checkup. And um, the vet, you know, drew blood or gave him an injection or something, and something went wrong. And I remember the vet thinking, "Oh, sh- like oh shit!" Like 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 the vet knew that the vet had done something wrong that was seriously wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, I, I took Dusty home and a couple of days later he had passed. Um, and, and we ended up burying him in the, in the backyard in the old fire pit actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. And threw a whole bunch of flowers in there and then covered him up and, you know, he's still there sleeping, you know what I mean? But Dusty, I love you. I love you, man. <laughs> I, I have a very vivid memory of, um, some of the stuff he would bring home for us because he loved us so much. <laughs> right. Um, like going to take the trash out, uh, early one morning and, um, our, our trash bins were in the backyard. Um, or at least uh-huh. it was this, this time for whatever reason. And, and there's the back half of a rat. Oh, nice. Just the back half. It's like, and here I'm you like, go. Oh God, that's gross. I'm like, I know why you're doing it, but you. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Thanks for not bringing it in the house. I remember for him, he would cry at the back door to come inside, and I'd open the door at like three in the morning or whatever. And he, um, it was so weird because he would come in, and whenever every time he came in, he would like, he would he would just say one meow. He'd be like meow, like that was like it was like saying thanks or like hey what's up, you know what I mean? And and it's funny because it's it's um, I know that there's some people that have cats that are only indoor cats, or maybe they even declaw them, and there's like. It, it would break my heart if I had a cat that could never go outside. Like, it just seems like they belong inside and outside. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I, I get that. Um, you know, statistically, they've proven that indoor cats live longer. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and obviously, I mean, there's so many more threats to a cat outside uh-huh. than there are inside. But, I mean... You you know the cat that we have now, Memers, who adopted oh. us rather than mm-hmm. us adopting him. Um, he was outdoors most uh-huh. of the time. 
Yeah. Um, and we kind of actually had to work to make him an indoor outdoor cat to go, look, it's okay to come in. Yeah, yeah. We have food for you in here. There is safety in here. If it's, you know, Halloween or the 4th of July, cause he's a black cat. Um, you know, so yeah, I get it. There's also yeah. the, uh, you know, being woken up at like one in the morning where he's like scratching at our door being like, dude, let me out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't work this handle on my own. I'm, I am polydactyl, but I can't turn this handle. I, uh, I remember we used to have the tree growing next to the old garage and he would climb the tree yes. to get on top of the garage and then jump onto the top of the roof of the house. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I remember like when he was, even when he was very old, there would be like these occasional days when he'd have a flash of his old self and he'd still climb the tree at an age where I was shocked that he could even do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my happiest dusty memory, I don't know if you remember for a brief time, we had a neighbor named Peter who was an attorney. Um, uh, and lived on the corner, right? Lived on the corner. Yeah. And I, he had a cat named Boomer and Boomer and dusty were like, they weren't like enemies. They were friends. You know what I mean? Oh, nice. And, and I remember mom would hang out like the bed sheets on the line in the backyard to dry, you know? And they would be like, one would be on one side of the sheet and the other would be on the other side. And they'd be like, almost like playing hide and seek. You know what I mean? Nice. Um, and that, that's probably my happiest Dusty memory. I think eventually Peter moved away. So Boomer moved away. So mm-hmm. D- Dusty lost his friend. Um, I think Peter's like, I remember like Peter's house caught on fire once or something. And uh, like, it, it did. I have very strong memories of that because I was always afraid of the house catching on fire. Just want to, I know this isn't in the show notes, but I just want to give a shout out to two other cats in our extended family. One was owned by our aunt Carol named pumpkin. Oh yeah. Pumpkin. Who was a, a little gray cat who I think, mm-hmm. I think maybe at one point, like was only three legged maybe later in its life. Cause it had cancer or something. That sounds familiar. Um, and I definitely want to give a big shout out to, um, our uncle Earl who had a cat named stinky, uh, in Porter. Oh God, I'd forgotten about stinky. Oh, stinky. Stinky oh, was, stinky. uh, when we would go visit our aunt and uncle and cousins in Porterville, we, they, their basement was like a games room with a billiards table and stuff. And I remember stinky be down there and maybe would get up on the pool table and knock the balls around, I think. Yep. You know? And yeah, that was, those were good times too. Yeah. Definitely. Totally. Totally. Uh, now we also have we also actually have some some pet store yeah memories and, and totally. one of them is a, a veritable San Jose landmark so why don't you oh, tell yeah. us about Andy's pet shop Andy's pet shop uh, located at 1280 the Alameda only about two blocks from our childhood home yeah um, really 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 neat place um, one of the things that was really um, exciting about Andy's pet shop um, it had been a pet shop. In the San Jose, in San Jose, since probably the 30s, 40s, 50s, really old, going back. It is a very old building, yeah. Very old building. Um, I recently read, and I don't know how accurate that this is, but that same building before it was a pet shop was like the local California Highway Patrol headquarters or something like that. Really? Yeah, I'm not sure how true that is, but I'd be interested to learn more. Um, Andy's pet shop probably at least. You know, growing up as a little kid, the first thing, the most noticeable thing about the pet shop was the fact that one exterior wall of the building that was uh, uh, adjacent to a sidewalk was covered in an enormous painted colorful mural of 
animals and jungles and trees and parrots. Do you remember the mural? Oh my gosh, yes. What are your memories of the mural? Tell it me just what... being so vivid, so bright. Yeah. It was, um, you know, I, I know a lot more places these days <clears throat> will have a mural mm-hmm. on their building. Um, but growing up, I don't remember as many places having this kind of artwork to to draw the passersby's attention. Um, and and Andy's pet shop. I mean, it was it was massive. It was a long. Yeah. It had to be easily. 50 foot long by 10 mm-hmm. or 12 foot high. I mean, as a little kid, I was just fascinated with looking at this thing. Mm-hmm. There's painfully few images online of the mural. I, I found a, a couple that are black and white um, from before I was born, at least, maybe from the 60s. It's tough for me to like look at that mural and know if it's the exact same. It must be the same mural. Like, I don't think they must have changed at all. You know what I mean? Oh, and if it um, did, it probably didn't change much. No, but um, I do have a little late-breaking surprise uh, for you and our listeners. I actually did a little bit of uh, newspaper historical newspaper research on the mural, um, and uh, there's an article in the San Jose Mercury newspaper from Monday, January 15th, 1996, and the headline reads, Vandals Force Pet Shop Mural to Higher Ground. And if I'm just going to read a little bit quickly here, the colorful mural, uh, the colorful building enveloping mural of jungle and animals that has made Andy's Pet Shop a downtown Sacramento landmark since the 50s is no more. Sacramento. A victim, or I'm sorry, San Ho- downtown okay. San Jose landmark since the 1950s is no more. A victim of graffiti vandals. Quote, they totally destroyed what was left of the original mural, unquote, says owner Linda Nelson, no relation. Quote, we had to paint over it. We can't afford to replace it, unquote. But wait, there is a muralist at work there, Diane Gatto, who Nelson hired to create a new artwork, a more jungle life, more jungle life, but in a 25-foot strip along the top of the building. Quote, we don't sell gorillas and giraffes, but it's a little bit of the flavor of the original painting, unquote, Nelson says. Gatto will also paint a parrot, Andy's logo, on the wall of the former American auto parts store next door into mm. which the pet store is expanding the new wall art will be high enough off the ground she hopes to ex- ex- escape mutilation by the spray can set which is the really spray interesting. can set i want to the name spray a can set i want to name a band the spray can set and you know what i'm so excited i found this article because the thing of it is andy's pet shop the business is unfortunately currently left that building and is now in another location and the building, it still stands, but I think it's like a bicycle shop now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mural is no more, except there's this one weird strip at the top of the building where there's some painted mural of like a jungle scene. And as a kid, I remember there being a time in my life. It's almost like my childhood could be divided into two eras. One, like when the mural was still there, and then one day it was gone. And as mm-hmm. a little kid, I didn't understand why this magical thing was gone and now it's just a regular painted wall except there's this one tiny little corner where it still exists yeah and it it it's interesting because this article helps me date when that was 1996 so i mean i was in high school basically you know what i yeah. mean um and it's interesting that they uh apparently never intended to expand that little painting bit because i think my reaction was okay they 
painted over the old mural. They started a new one. But when are they going to finish it? They've only done this postage stamp size portion of it, which right. even to this day, it still exists and looks like that. But I have to wonder, part of me wonders, like, under the layer of paint, is there still the old mural, but still with the graffiti on it? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that even, like, could, is like, could science be employed to like look at that? I mean, we can we can use X-rays to look behind Leonardo da Vinci paintings and stuff. You know, it's like, is there any way I could see the old mural? I would love to know. You know, uh, odds are it probably is under there. Mm-hmm. Um, but how you would either use technology to see through the layers or to remove the layers as though restoring something. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I've got a better like idea of how to do that on a car than I would on a building. Andy's also had a rocking neon sign. Um, oh, the neon sign was the best. Had like a had a parrot on it. There were like little fish that would swim around. Yeah, bright, vivid. I mean, there's no missing this. This is this is a very classic and legendary sign. There were also these weird. I don't even want to call them signs. I guess they must have been signs. These lighted signs. That used to say things like monkeys and most more terrifyingly horse meat, because <laughs> apparently I guess Andy's back in the day sold uh, horse meat, and it's funny because these these glass sconces that I think had neon tubes behind them, they're actually still on the building. And um, as listeners to our uh, podcast will know, in the last episode we learned how our father rescued the sign of our childhood Chinese restaurant before it got you know thrown away, basically, which was almost just literally right across the street from Andy's pet store. Mm -hmm. And my running joke with dad is like, if there, if at any point he ever has the urge to steal another sign in the neighborhood, I want the horse meat sign from Andy's pet shop, basically. (laughs) Yeah. That, Uh, I mean, that really is, is, I mean, at least for me, I would argue a piece of history, uh, mm -hmm. even more so than the homemade O sign. Don't get me wrong. I love the Chinese food, but, um, yeah, yeah I, I, these... I, I don't see that ever being thrown away. You know, you're right. Yeah, no, no, maybe not thrown away. I mean, hopefully not thrown away. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things where there's so much gentrification happening mm-hmm. in that neighborhood. I was through it just today because I wanted to go down to recycle bookstore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing the the Whole Foods where uh, John's Graffiti Night used to be. That's right. Um, and and just everything through there, it's there's always that danger yeah. that someone's going to come in and be like, "All right, we're going to do something with this building. Let's get the, these old, you know, this old crap off it." <laughs> you um, know, it's just my, a matter of being vigilant. Being, Wherever yeah, you being live, vigilant. yeah, yeah. My uh, my my uh, my most embarrassing Andy's pet shop story was uh, when I was a kid. Uh, there was one time I wanted to um, get a pet goldfish. And there was an aquarium section in the back of the store and they had, you know, the regular aquarium type fish and, you know, they were, they were reasonably priced, but a little bit out of the budget of a, you know, probably a 10 year old's allowance. Mm. Um, But they did have the goldfish that you could buy that are actually meant not as pets, but as food for reptiles and things like that. So I went to the lady at the counter and I said that I wanted to buy some of the feeder fish. And so she, of course, asks me like, you know, how many dozen do I want to buy? And, you know, I just, I'm just a kid with like a buck or whatever. So I'm like, well, I just want to buy one. And she like, look, she looks at me like quizzically and, and I'm like, well, and I made up this like lie on the spot that I had this pet turtle and that I wanted to see if the turtle liked eating the goldfish. So it was like a test run or something. You sneak. So anyway, so she bought, I bought the fish, you know, and I went home and I was all proud. 
And then, uh, and then mom got home and she reminded me that, you know, you can't just, you know, put a pet fish in the tap water. There's like that weird chemical stuff you have to buy to like put in the tap water to make it so it's not toxic, I guess, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to go back to Andy's the same day and buy that little tube of junk from the same lady. So it's like, obviously I'm lying, you know what I mean? And I was so embarrassed, but, uh, and then it's like it died like a couple days later or something Aww. like that. But, um, but as 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 listeners to uh, tonight's episode will soon learn, uh, my my experience with uh, aquarium aquariums and and sea creatures uh, differed greatly from our other pets in the sense that I was I didn't have as much as a green thumb. Um, I was kind of more of a mass murderer, but we'll learn about that in a second. So, <laughs> do you have any like Andy stories you want to throw out there? Or? I you know I mean I I can still kind of picture the inside mm-hmm. of it. Um, and it was, I don't want to say chaotic, but it was, it was very clearly a pet store. Mm -hmm. You know, you didn't have aisles. This wasn't like going to Petco or, or Pet Food Express or something. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was definitely kind of older and funky, but that, I mean, that's, that's really it. I don't really have a lot of memories beyond that. I remember they had like, um, like big macaws, you know, like they'd have the red kind and then like that, that blue kind with like Mm -hmm. the yellow eye, the parrot. I remember mom told me once that there was like a pair of scarlet macaws from Andy's pet shop that actually managed to escape. And for a couple weeks they were living in the neighborhood and you can see them flying around at dusk and stuff like that. Oh, I remember the macaws in the neighborhood. Yeah. And there was, there was a family right behind our house that had, I don't know if it was a macaw or a cockatoo, but it was one very exotic bird. And they would have this huge metal cage for it that they'd sometimes put on their front lawn. And sometimes they'd let it out of the cage and it would like go up into like the like the telephone pole and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then you could like hear it and see it and stuff like that. I always thought that was pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Good times. Um, yeah, it Andy's, you know, it's 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 um it's it's moved locations. It's in a different building now. I definitely remember um, after they moved, maybe they took down the neon sign. And last time I saw it, um, there was uh, the neighborhood Fourth of July parade. Somebody had a vintage truck. I think whoever owns the store now, and they had the neon sign like in the truck as like a float in the parade, basically, nice. which I thought was kind of cool. Um, I had a, I had a really good friend in high school, and um, we used to hang out and do you know, fun things or idiotic things all the time. And there was one time we had, uh, we had this video camera and we were just goofing off and going around town filming stuff. And for no reason really. And we walked into Andy's pet shop with the camera going and whoever was the owner or the manager of the store at that time, like the instant we came in the door came down on us, like on a ton, like a ton of bricks. Cause oh, wow. I think she probably thought we were like undercover journalists trying to document like bad pet, like you know like dirty pet stores or something like that <laughs> or pet store mismanagement we, we were just like dumb kids just playing with a video camera just trying to record stuff you know what mm-hmm. i mean um but you know i if i see him i'd have to like see if he even still has those tapes because hey i'd love to see you know footage of the interior of andy's pet store from like 1995 yeah, really? you know that'd be pretty cool uh, so we've got another pet store that we would frequent a little yeah. bit further away from home which one was this one this was Bangkok Aquarium, twelve twenty four South Bascom Avenue. Um, I don't know about you, but I loved and still love aquariums in the sense of big time aquariums like the Monterey Bay Aquarium, or just pet store aquariums where you, you can get your fish 
you know, feelies for free, basically. I, um, I just remember this being in the same strip mall as the Curtis Mathis, so we'd rent the v, VCR tapes. and uh... it, it was a very important strip mall in our, in our growing up. This it was, true. actually. Yeah. Um, Bangkok, unfortunately, it went out of business maybe, maybe 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, I think it's a dance studio now. Okay. Um, nothing really spectacular about it. I mean, it was just a, a neighborhood aquarium, but I can't tell you how much I loved just going in there, even on just days when I just didn't have anything to do and walking around and seeing what new bizarre species of marine life were on display that week, you know? Um, they definitely had a thing in the back where they had like, it was almost like a, an artificial grotto with like a wall made of glass. And inside of that was a fish tank with like really giant, uh, giant exotic fish for sale. Um, I, I, unfortunately I don't know the species of fish, but, but really, really, really big ones, which I always thought was funny because, um, those were the fish that never sold, you know, it's like, who's going to come in and buy like an exotic fish that's like the size of a dining room table or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I definitely was inspired to have my own aquarium as a kid growing up because of Bangkok aquarium. Um, I, I experimented, uh, with different, different types of, uh, sea creatures at times. Um, for, for a brief time, I had an aquarium with, uh, two neon colored, um, crawfish, crayfish, mm-hmm. um, and they were sold to me uh, under the name Miniature Thai Fighting Lobsters, which as a kid is probably the most exciting phrase you can imagine. Um, and, you know, I got two of them. I think it was a male and a female. Again, I don't think I gave them names at any point, or if I do, I don't remember. Um, they never fought one another. They definitely stayed in their respective corners and never really interacted with each other. Um, but they would periodically, maybe, I don't know if it was monthly, but they would, as they grew up, they would molt. I think the word is molt. They would molt their exoskeletons and mm-hmm. shed their scales, their, their, their shells, you know? And, uh, so I would periodically have to clean out the tank and I used to, I had an old, I had an old mason jar and I would take the mason jar and I'd dump it into the tank and like, you know, usher them into the mason jar and close it and then carry the whole package, the tank and everything out into the lawn in the backyard put them in their mason jar on the grass, empty out their tank, scrub everything down, rinse out the little rocks and all that kind of jazz and, you know, fish out their dead exoskeletons, which was so gross. Yeah. And finally, what happened was in middle school, there was some sort of science experiment or something where we had like a fish tank in the classroom. And for some reason, I got to at the end of the year or something like that, like the teacher gave out all the fish to the students or something. So I ended up with a little goldfish I got to take home. And I thought that I would add it to my tank full of these miniature lobsters and they'd have a friend basically. Um, And I put the little fish in the tank and uh, in the middle of the night um, I woke up and I looked in there and one of the, you know, crawfish or whatever had taken its like uh, pincers and cut it, the fish in half, literally. Oh, jeez. And then, like, within two or three days, both crawfish were dead. And I had, to this day, I don't know what was going on. Was the little fish, like, toxic to them? Like, they tried to eat it and it killed them or something like that? But it was very, very sad. Um, in fact, most of my experiences with aquarium over the years of my childhood um, was, was a really kind of almost, like, perverse lesson in playing God. You know, having the power of life or death over these tiny little creatures. Mm-hmm. I remember once I had an aquarium set up, um, and at, I was at Bangkok, and I was going to buy some fake 
plastic plants to put inside the tank. But I saw that they had some live plants you could purchase, and I thought, oh, that would be a nice change. So I actually purchased the live little sea plants to put in there. And this was before I had any fish in the tank. I was just kind of setting up housekeeping, as they say. And unbeknownst to me, the leaves on these little fish tank plants had microscopic eggs for sea snails on them. So one day I woke up and I looked inside the tank. This was before I bought any creatures to put in it. And uh, zooming around at the bottom of the tank was a sea snail. And the next day there was two sea snails. And the next day there were four. And the next day there were about eight. And they started multiplying exponentially. And before you know it, there was probably 100 sea snails zooming around this tank. And I'm kind of freaking out here because I've kind of like created this weird, you know, community that I had no intention to. And, you know, being a little kid and being raised on science programs on PBS and whatnot, you know, I thought the uh, the ecological thing to do would be to, you know, research what their natural predators are and purchase some of these predators. And uh, hopefully the, the equilibrium would balance out. Um, turns out that sea snails uh, are eaten voraciously by clownfish, like um, the little orange guys. Yeah. And I bought, I went back to Bangkok Aquarium and I bought two clownfish and I put it in the tank and I thought, okay, they'll balance out the population and everything will be hunky dory. And literally the next morning, this is a true story, ladies and gentlemen, I turned on the light and I looked in my tank and there were hundreds of empty shells and not a single snail had survived the night. Those two fish had eaten hundreds of snails. And I was aghast. I was horrified. I was so ashamed because I had basically unleashed a holocaust inside the tank, you know, by purchasing two clownfish. Like, I had no idea that they could eat that much. I thought the snails and the, you know, it would all, you know, be in balance. But it was, a, it was the opposite of the balance. It was terrifying. It was horrifying. I, 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 think, I think the thing to glom onto here is that, is that while we peacefully slept in our beds, yeah, this atrocity... It, <laughs> Yeah, was just in, inches away from my head. There's 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 a hell on earth going on, and it's just horrible to think about. I eventually got to the point where like I only would buy so many of my fish would die on me, like especially after I established some sort of emotional bond with them. That I got to the point where I would only buy pet fish that were like the schooling kind. I don't know mm-hmm. if you remember Neon Tetra. They were those tiny little guys that are really shiny, and they always, like, swim around in big groups. Mm-hmm. So I would have just tons of Neon Tetra in the tank, and that was it. So then I would only have an emotional bond with the, the group as a whole. And so, you know, if I woke up in the morning and 10 of them were dead and 50 were still alive, I could fish out the dead ones, go to the fish store, you know, aquarium, buy 10 more, you know, uh, uh, Neon Tetra and load up the tank again and I'd be good, good to go, you know? So that was kind of like the emotional, uh, way through, uh, uh, doing all this. Um, I think I must've, you know, gotten out of having aquariums early high school years, I guess. I haven't had one since actually. Um, yeah. I mean, really they're kind of high maintenance, high maintenance. Exactly. Um, but I still love going to aquariums if at all possible. And mm-hmm. one of the things I loved the most about Bangkok Aquarium as a kid wasn't so much the fish, but some of the aquarium tank decor that you could purchase. Yeah. I, I, it was almost as good as a toy store because it was like, you know, Hey, do you need to buy a neon plastic sunken pirate ship? 
do you need to buy a tiny little pirate treasure chest that has little gold coins in it? And by the way, there's a weird plastic skeleton dude to go with it. I mean, <laughs> it, it was like the kitschier, the better. I loved that stuff. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, it was so good. You know, it was, it was very, very funky. And yeah, the more, almost the more neon, the better. Cause you know, you get a, a black light or a, um, a darker, uh, wavelength Mm-hmm. And that stuff would just glow, and I don't know. We we kind of like that vibe. Yeah, like a, you 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 know, there'd be like a whole aisle full of like different colors of neon, like plaster skulls or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what I mean? And I just oh, it, it was like it was a visual. It was visually dazz, dazzling in terms of the colors. It was so kitschy, and everything was so you know kind of weird gothic piratey, or like there would be like some sort of like plastic sunken wrecked. Um, paddle wheeler that was broken in two that just you know would emit bubbles as you put in the tank but then you would wonder it was like what was the backstory of this paddle wheeler why did it break in two why did it sink who was on it you know <laughs> it, it, just, it was attacked by a whole population of sea snails yeah my it's like uh, it, it was like a perfect wonderland for a little kid's imagination to just run wild and it was like it was like going to a toy store and a zoo at the same time basically i don't know that's the best oh, way yeah. i can explain it you know but it's funny because oh god i I put down the note. I feel like we did pretty well with fish over the years, and now that we kind of say it out loud, I'm I'm retracting that statement. Uh, you know what? I mean, I, I I might be jumping ahead in the show notes because this is something that you put in there. But the one type of fish that guaranteed, if we had, if we did have this type of fish occasionally, that would never die was something called the Placostomus. Yes, and I have no idea if I even spell that right. But it was basically a sucker fish. It was it would a hang fish. Onto the, the side of the would, tank. I guess it would like feed on maybe like algae growing on the glass of the tank. I think so. Thing. But this fish was like the the homeliest fish ever. You know, it was like dark and brown or black and bumpy, and it didn't do anything fun. It would just sit there and like make a have its open mouth sticking out at you, basically. Pretty you know? much. And those things. You, there's nothing we could do to kill those. And I've killed thousands of sea creatures in my childhood. <laughs> and, like, basically, it would get to be so big that we would have to, like, take it back to the fish store and return it, I think, you know? Something like that. Yeah, like, I don't remember, but... And, which was really sad to me, because it was almost like, you know, what are they going to do? Is there, like, an old folks' home for old placostomuses? It's like, who's going to go to the pet store and want to buy the giant placostomus that nobody wants? Somebody know? with a much bigger tank than us. Oh my god, yeah, totally. Oh, she was. Yeah, we had some interesting pets. We did, we did. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, they were they were sort of our sidekicks, but at the same, same time, they were our teachers and in, in lessons of life and, and taking care of things that would lead to, you know, feelings of responsibility that would blossom into adulthood, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and listeners, if you had pets or pet stories, you know, we'd love to hear about them as well, you know, um, uh, because I think it's something that I think most people can relate to. Um, the vast majority, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 Does, so did Perrin ever want like a, like a snake or a hamster or anything like that? Or? Um, no, he's, he, from the start, he's pretty much been into cats. Just cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Echo over at her mom's has had a variety of different pets. Okay. Um, you know, she's she's definitely had to deal with some pets passing already. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's got that 
insight and that experience to be able to to deal with um parent not so much yet okay okay so we'll yeah we'll see how that goes in the future yeah um but hey what are we going to focus on for september well folks the episode of our ne- or the topic of our next episode is going to be cars and car culture yeah it's more specifically family cars family cars exactly um so m- I know we already talked about some of them in our Volkswagen episode, but this, mm-hmm. these will be our probably mostly our non-Volkswagen family cars. Oh, and there uh, were so many adventures that we had in those automobiles. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll be a much longer episode next month, that's for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> well, between now and then, if you haven't yet, you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Memory Serves Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Blue Box UFO, and you can follow Seb... At Clan McMuffin. Indeed. I'm suddenly craving a sausage McMuffin. Um, Subscribe to us on iTunes. I'm sorry I refuse to call it Apple Podcasts. It's iTunes. (laughs) Uh, And Stitcher and heck, wherever you consume podcasts. Just search up If Memory Serves. Don't forget, we are also on Spotify. Uh, Please rate and review us as well. Whatever you want to give us. I will not turn you down if you're like, dude, (laughs) I just want to give you five stars. I'm like, all right, cool. Thank you. (laughs) Um, but give us what you think we're worth because that is most important and share us with your friends Um, that word of mouth is the best way uh, to get podcasts new listeners and new subscribers and we are always looking for that Um, so subscribe to us on SoundCloud if you use SoundCloud that would be soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G you can get all the shows we put out on the network there Um, go to notlg.spreadshirt.com get yourself one of our awesome If Memory Serves shirts Um, yeah they are super rad Uh, give them as gifts give them as um, baby christenings because <laughs> what baby did there you know if you pick the white shirt it's already white you're good to go you're use them to wash to your car with yeah, use them use them as seat covers in your car it's even better then you can oh. show everybody in the parking lot how much you love our show right and if you are capable and willing to please uh, check out patreon.com slash notlg and you know, give a few bucks to the show. It is not uh, free to produce, even though it is free to consume. And a little help goes a long way, and we always appreciate it. Uh, Morgan Willis does our music. You can check him out on Facebook. Just search him up as Morgan Willis. His name's all in caps. You can't miss it. He's on Twitter as MorganWillis82, and also check him out on SoundCloud. And folks, go hug and kiss your pets. Yeah. Spay and neuter your Bob Barkers. That too. And we will talk to you next time. Good night. Good night, folks. Here, we're going to wash the cat. Ladies and gentlemen, don't ever do that. Just let the cat wash itself. (laughs)